Why don't we do this more often? Why don't we? Just what we're doing tonight. What a lovely night. Gee, but it's great to get together again. Show it is. Why does it only happen now and then? Welcome back to DTLA Exposed, the evolution revolution of downtown L.A. This episode will take us on a tour of one of my very favorite living areas in downtown, the fabulous Arts District. This episode of my ongoing love letter to DTLA is special to me on many levels. But before we delve into what makes this fun, low-density, walking community district so compelling, I'd like to share why this creative vortex speaks so clearly to my soul. I grew up in a bohemian artistic family who did everything by hand during the evolutionary 60s and 70s era. I'm still not certain if we had any money, as my father was very cagey in that respect, but we always had great food, strong coffee, a love for all genres of music and culture. My father was an upholsterer to the entertainment industry, and we were surrounded by bolts of leather, faux fur, and beautiful silk fabrics that were floating between our garage and house constantly. My mom was the consummate domestician who could do anything with her hands, be it refinish antique furniture, wallpaper, sew, paint, and cooked all ethnicities of food, which made our holiday dinners surprising and exotic. From the time I was very young, I loved art, and it was my favorite part of the school experience, and actually, well, really, the only part of the school experience I truly enjoyed. I discovered early on that I did not have inherent talent in this area, but grew a massive appreciation for all types of artistic expression. And how was it possible that as a native Los Angelian and art lover, I did not know this wonderful enclave of creativity existed? First, let me give a little backstory on the amazing arts district. It was originally called the Warehouse District as its primary use was to keep all the agriculture that was offloaded from the train systems refrigerated for distribution to the grocery stores. A print shop became the area's first commercial arts enterprise in the early 1900s, employing artists from around the region that designed labels for the boxes of citrus fruit that was shipped across the country. As train transportation diminished after World War II and the railroad barons moved elsewhere, this area went mostly dormant. Now we'll fast forward to the late 60s and early 70s. Artists started to come to this area as the rent was minimal and often free. The warehouses were spacious with lots of good lighting and was certainly off the beaten path. In 1981, the city of L.A. passed the Artists in Residence Ordinance, which allowed residential use of formerly industrial and commercially zoned buildings where artists had long used these spaces as living quarters illegally. This law sought to bring this practice into a legal and regulated uh, arena. Art galleries, cafes, and performance venues opened as the live-work population grew, allowing these spaces to be converted into live-work lofts. 
This, along with the Adaptive Reuse Act of the late 90s, encouraged the repurposing of these old warehouses into residential spaces and was the traction for this district's renaissance. Joel Bloom, an advocate for the community and the unofficial mayor, had his general store in the heart of the Arts District and has since been recognized with a plaque uh, naming the areas where Third Traction and Rose come together as a Joel Bloom Square. Some of the first converted loft residential buildings for sale in the early 2000s were the Desirable Toy Factory and Biscuit Company buildings. Mixing their historic architecture and prior use as they've kept the names of what they manufactured, which were toys and biscuits, on the buildings, yet updating in an industrial progressive vibe that is unique to downtown. The views from the rooftop of the toy factory towards downtown LA are stunning. And another of my favorite residential projects is the expansive Barker Block Lofts Complex. It's lower density and spread out. They have beautiful Zen outdoor spaces and they're right across the street from the Earth Cafe. The Arts District has been a magnet for entrepreneurial people and businesses. Um, the entertainment and IT sectors, along with millennials, have been drawn here, utilizing creative co-working spaces and having the ability to experience the live-work lifestyle. It's really transitioned the Arts District into one of the priciest real estate areas in L.A., so if I had one afternoon to spend in this wonderful district, here is where I would take you. And for me, food is always my first priority, so we'll start there. Situated right adjacent to the L.A. River is the One Santa Fe Complex. This was rather controversial when they were building it, as it's a huge white cruise boat looking structure. At the south end on the street level, though, and Cafe Gratitude is in this complex, which is very good, but one of my favorites is at the end, and it's called Edda Bowl. It's a marvelous place for breakfast or brunch. Their yummy choices, like the delectable and wonderful cheddar cheese biscuits, their lemon ginger chicken with waffles, or lemon ricotta fritters, are a great way to start the day in this airy restaurant. We'll walk over to the heart of the Arts District at 3rd and Traction, and really we could just stay on this three-block radius and have the full experience of this artistic, useful district, but we will uh, move away in a little bit. But first, coffee, pastries, and pies are alive and well at the iconic Pie Hole, located in the historic American Hotel building. And this hotel has a lot of history. It was built in 1905, and it housed African-American iron workers of that era who supported the massive railway systems. The same historic building offers up a fashion-forward retail space called the Rogue Collection. The collection has been in this space since 2016, and Colin, the owner, is careful in respecting the legacy of its former renown as Al's Bar. Opened in 1979, Al's was also known as the Downtown Artist Central Meeting Place, occasionally hosting art exhibitions, and was the West Coast's oldest punk rock club. 
Nirvana, David Bowie, Guns N' Roses were a few famous musicians to grace Al's stage, and it is still present in their second room. Their model is to provide a full lifestyle brand with their own and 45 other designers with clothes predominantly made in L.A. that are sustainably produced and ethically sourced. The sophistication of design and retail display shows Colin's superior aesthetic, along with a fair price point for the quality of clothes, sunglasses, and upscale accessories. In an adjoining space through a red brick alcove is the most innovative Commonwealth proper, a bespoke custom apparel atelier. They are producing beautiful suits and shirts using their curated master tailors and fabrics from the finest mills in Italy. What makes Commonwealth proper special is the collaboration they have with Tattoo and other artists who design their graphic linings, creating a hidden edgier element. If you're looking for custom-made clothing with the high quality of old world craftsmanship that might be found in London or Lake Como, this is the place. Okay, I think it's maybe lunchtime or close. And you'll find that my mind rarely leaves my favorite subject. So let's explore a few great choices. Wandering down third at the East End is Eat Drink Americano. Housed in an old brick building with Hammer and Spear as one of its neighbors, this is an intimate farm-to-fork gastropub offering delicious artisanal sandwiches that are locally sourced and organic. Uh, you can also vote for their best staff cocktail contest where you get to be the judge. Down the street is the unusual verse couché, and I know I will probably get lots of feedback on the pronunciation, but since I've had five different people from partners to Germans tell me how to pronounce it, that's my best stab at it. And they are the self-proclaimed purveyors of exotic sausages. And indeed, they can be called exotic with ingredients such as rattlesnake, rabbit, duck, and for those vegetarians, mango jalapeno. It is a beer garden um, environment with communal seating and lots of authentic German beer on draft. And I think it's time we absorb a little culture at House and Worth and over the influence art galleries. We are in the arts district after all. So located practically next to each other, these are two very easy to navigate art spaces. House and Worth occupies the restored Globe Mills complex, a collection of interconnected late 19th and early 20th century buildings that have been adapted to showcase a modern usage. House and Worth offers contemporary art, as well as classes and educator series. And in July, they'll offer a symposium for curating private art collections and a young artist summer school. Food alert. The most popular, Manuela's, is tucked down a breezeway on the House and Worth property. This garden-esque restaurant with rustic chic decor is a find. There are chicken coops on site and a victory garden, and their mission is to unite chef, farmer, and artist, and they have created a magical ambiance there. 
back to our cultural explorations. Over the Influence is a free gallery with a streamlined approach to viewing art. They have simple white walls with warm brick and vintage roofing systems, and it's a lovely space to see their exhibitions without clutter. Mark Whalen was featured when I was there, and his works are bright, colored, whimsical pieces incorporating high-load pigment paint and mirror chrome on cast aluminum. And right about this time, I think it really must be um, a good time to mosey on over for Sugar Pick-Me-Up to indulge at Salt and Straw, which is close to being next door. This wonderful ice cream place offers some of the best ice cream in my humble aficionado opinion in LA. I had the seasonal strawberry with balsamic and pepper only to be outdone by the olive oil with goat cheese with some sort of wonderful candy crumble running through it. So the sweet, salty, little bit of savory was delicious. Cafe tables and benches are available for optimum people watching, and you're really in the, the essence of the art district. Next door is a marvelous retail space called Shinola Detroit. The socially conscious company is contributing to the comeback economy of Detroit by designing, manufacturing, and supplying jobs to local Detroit workers. Their model is to highlight the staff first, and their walls of the store proudly display this philosophy. Music is playing discreetly in the background on vinyl records and a turntable, and it's actually kind of reminiscent of one of my top 10 hidden bars uh, in sheep's clothing in that the blonde woods and the Danish modern feel is very similar. They are a design brand predicated on meaningful American job creation. Through their manufacture of timeless goods, they have watches, bicycles, and their leather goods were clean and reminiscent of Italian craftsmanship and all beautifully presented. We'll now move to the outskirts of the Arts District, and I wanted to mention Seton Street, as it is in the midst of regentrification and looks similar to what many other Arts District blocks looked like 10 to 15 years ago. On the corner towards 4th Street is the Coffee Hall, and it's in a vibrant colored muraled building. And if you're looking for killer coffee and an art experience, look no further. The Container Yard Complex is allowing pop-up artists to showcase their work. And there is, as you walk into the left, there is a, um, a shop, a store that sells the highest grade spray paints imported from Spain. And they also have local artists sometimes that wander in and do on-the-spot artwork of whatever you'd like. And I thought that was such a wonderful concept. And then one of the most tied in baristas extraordinaire um, is Edwin, who manned the coffee bar, and um, he's as tied in as they get to the food and beverage scene in downtown L.A., and he was so enthusiastic and generous in uh, how he shared information about the container yard, and it's 
an, an ongoing representation of what inspires me on my mission to share all of these wonderful things with people uh, to hopefully uh, have you come down and see this for yourself. And it's a big part of the transition and the revolution in downtown L.A., Moving to entertainment for adults, and not the kind you may be thinking of, uh, we have one of the newer attractions and is quite uh, gained a lot of visibility and momentum is Two-Bit Circus. It's been described as a micro amusement park or a virtual reality powered circus, a circus for nerds, and it seems that all of the above fits. With unique attractions like story rooms, similar to escape rooms where you can join the crew of a space expedition or fight off hordes of Cajun monsters, they also have cabanas that allow five friends to play VR games in a private catered karaoke-style lounge. You can also experience their Club 01, where you step backstage into a laughter-powered, tech-enhanced interactive stage where you are part of the show. This concept has been such a hit that last month they won the Downtowner of Distinction Award for one of the best new businesses in DTLA. So it must be dinner time somewhere. On to our next culinary adventure, and that is the newest sister restaurant of the iconic Bestia. That is the wonderful Bavel restaurant. I'd call it elevated Middle Eastern on an outside border of downtown facing the beautiful 1930s 4th Street Bridge with a snake mural leading you up to the top of the bridge. The vibe in the restaurant is open, downtown industrial meets garden-esque, and the food is delicious. A few standouts were the hummus, small plates, and I've worked, I had worked in Glendale for 14 years, which is the largest Armenian community outside of Armenia. So I'm pretty familiar with really good hummus and Middle Eastern food. And Bavel has taken this to a different level. The grilled prawns with harissa, marinade, and lime were memorable, as was the lamb porterhouse with cardamom rice. And we finished off this wonderful meal with the rose clove chocolate donuts. They also were nominated recently for the James Beard Award, along with Major Domo. So uh, that is a testament to what a great job they've done here. Down the street uh, a ways is one of um, the more established nonprofits to promote uh, artists, and that is ArtShare LA. And they offer blank wall spaces for burgeoning artists. They have stage and pottery rooms and classes, and they also offer living quarters upstairs in the building for talented artists that are pursuing their passion but don't really have the wherewithal to move into um, more expensive housing. They typically showcase 8 to 15 artists with 15 to 25 shows across their main gallery space each year. And they are a, a wonderful commitment to uh, allowing artists to truly work in a communal space that fosters their dreams and goals. 
And speaking of artists, there are approximately 71 murals throughout the Arts District. If you really want to see the artistic soul of this district, you can take a tour uh, via the DT Graffiti and Mural Tour. And they really uh, showcase the creative scenes that were fueled by an amazing group of local artists as well as global artists. The guides are all artists themselves. They're eager to introduce you to this vibrant world and share the works of their friends and fellow artists. And it's very true that the, the art down there is very transient. And some pieces might only last a day before being covered, and others have been preserved for decades. But I've noticed that it's constantly changing. And they'll also tour um, into many other hidden art treasures, including the rich urban sculpture scene and some local spots for curious history items, they point out. And one of the newer murals was in honor of Joel Bloom, who we mentioned before and discussed as the uh, urban pioneer actor and activist who really helped shape this beautiful arts district neighborhood. And known for high impact and iconic imagery, the art collector Art Collective Free Humanity has expressed their art mission like this. Our aim is to take back humanity stolen from our minds by social manipulation and plant seeds of positivity through art and consciousness to embody the perfect marriage of timeless grace and progressive street style. I think that is the perfect note to end this episode of Our Day in the Arts District and hope you have enjoyed listening as much as I have thoroughly enjoyed sharing one of my favorite districts with you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please come back and let's do it more often. Like, follow, and comment on my Instagram at Noir for a unique look into the past and present of DTLA. We ought to do this more often mm -hmm. Now don't you agree that I'm right? I do Oh, we make each other laugh We make each other sing And you can never, ever overdo a good